0: I'm super delighted you're joining us as we're continuing this series called My Best Life. I always like to add the word now. My best life now. And every week we've been interacting with the invitation that Jesus gives all of us to consider. Jesus says, look, come be my apprentices. I love the way our theme verse frames that invitation in Matthew chapter 11 with these words. Jesus declares, look, come walk with me. Come work with me. Come see how I do it. How I do what? Jesus said, come see how I lived Life When I was here on earth, make that your goal. Uh, Pursue, you know, when we live like Jesus lived, ultimately what that means is that we can discover a life of deep joy, defined by, characterized by love and inner peace, whatever the external stuff we're working through. And so Jesus says, come watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, your pace, your rhythm of life. Uh, Let me teach you a new way, he says. Well, last week, as we engaged with this, we took some time to think about what does it look like when we replicate Jesus's regular practice of silence and spending time with the Father. And here's what was absolutely clear. Jesus prioritized silence and being with the Father. We call that solitude. It was a high priority in his life. For example, in Luke chapter 5, verse 15, we mentioned this last week, you know, the fame, Jesus' fame and popularity was growing by leaps and bounds. uh, And more and more people, the crowds, the verses, the crowds were coming to him more and more, showing up to hear him teach, to experience the miracles that he was working and the more busy he became, the more busy he became, ultimately, it would be defined by how that verse end, ended. It says, but Jesus often, somebody shout often, write it in the chat. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. That word is eramos. It can also be translated quiet places and prayed, engaged with the father. Now, here's the deal. Jesus did this not because it was a nice thing to do. Not just because it was a good religious ritual. Jesus often did this because uh, it was vital. It was a need to have. Because Jesus understood that in that quiet, silent uh, place where he was engaging with the Father, he wasn't just getting his mind focused. He was making sure that his soul, you know what your soul is, right? It's that, it's that intangible, invisible, eternal part of you that existed in the heart of God long before you showed up in your mother's womb. One theologian says, it is the place in our lives where, 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 where the spirit of God lives. Can somebody say soul? Type that in the chat, my soul. And Jesus understood that that Keeping his soul connected with the eternal one, keeping it connected with the Father was absolutely vital to his effectiveness and his impact. To living a life of deep joy characterized by love and inner peace while staying on focus. So because I take this so, I've taken that so seriously, we've put together an entire resource page on our uh, website. You know, last few weeks I've told you, look... Let's practice this. Let's take 15 minutes of quiet time. Use that time to pray and to read through the Gospel of Mark. If this is your first time watching us, you can engage in that uh, even starting today. And I have challenged you to do something we call the one-minute pause. Last week's message. Make sure you check out last week's message. Uh, and so all of that is on this resource. We've got, we put together the, some of the best books written on this subject. And we've identified some apps. One app essentially called the one-minute pause will walk you through how to actually execute that and grow that space in your life. It's all right there. I, I, I want you to live your best life. It begins with really leaning in on what Jesus is teaching us. Last week also, I told you that the most important thing we can do as we navigate the silence and try to connect with the eternal one is to distinguish the voice of God. And uh, the moment we're able to distinguish the voice of God, then... We can also distinguish all of the wrong voices. You know, I've called those wrong voices. I've, I, said, I said, listen, you've got to label them and then you can handle them, right? False voices and deceptive messages. If you, can, if you know the voice of God, the gentle whisper, we'll talk about it in a minute, then you, you also know false forces false and the deceptive messages. You know, the other day I was talking to one of our members and he was sharing with me that he said, I'm so happy, Pastor, you talked about this, this, this notion of false voices and deceptive messages, he said, because the other day he's, he's, he's lost a, a dear loved one and he's confined to a wheelchair, and he said the other day he just heard the voices of his grief say, why don't you just roll your wheelchair out, roll out in, front of, in the wheelchair in front of the, into the streets there in San Francisco in front of a bus and just end it. And he said, oh, no, he realized that's a false voice and a deceptive message. Here's here's a a point I want to make sure you, you get. Whenever God speaks to you, whenever he whispers to you, it's always going to be consistent with his universal truths of Scripture. He will never violate the universal truths of Scripture. He'll never tell you to take your life. So if you're hearing voices, and even if what I'm teaching is not helping you to quiet those voices, they're getting louder and louder, and they're they're destructive and pushing you towards destruction, come on, tell your family members, reach out, get some medical support and some medical help, because our mental health is as important as our physical health. And so last week, I told you that there's two uh, characteristics of the voice of God I wanted to kind of lean into. And this weekend is Valentine's weekend, so I'm going to lean into those two characteristics. And I really want you to pick this up. Uh, I'm going to lean into those two characteristics while also teaching you a couple of what I want to call some Valentine relationship tips. All right. okay. so let's pick up where I left off last last week. I told you about a fellow by the name of Elijah. First Kings chapter 19. He was exhausted. He was uh, fearful of the future. He was depressed. He was suicidal. God sent an angel to attend to him for over the course of a couple of days, fed him and made him rest, fed him and made him rest. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Sabbath principle and how God has shaped our lives for rest. And, and when, when we kick that out of rhythm, it messes us up. It's, it can be actually dangerous on a variety of levels. Don't miss next week. So we talk about the Sabbath next week. But finally, an angel gets him squared away and sends Elijah to Mount Horeb. Elijah gets to Mount Horeb. And basically, God says, go out. I'm going to talk to you. I want you to I want you to hear my voice. And the text says, Elijah goes out and stands on the cliff in Mount Horeb. And a thunderstorm comes. and The voice of the Lord is not there. Earthquake and fire comes. The voice of the Lord is not found or heard in any of that stuff. And then finally, it says the voice of the Lord ultimately comes as a gentle whisper. Let me just point out that earthquakes and thunderstorms, uh, tornadoes, tornadoes. uh, uh, whirlwinds that use the language of the text and fires in the old testament those are various ways in which god executed judgment and notice the text is saying that the voice of god is not coming in that context that doesn't mean that god concedes his right to execute judgment there's plenty of space and eternity for him to do that come on now but the general everyday experience of god will come just like it's described here as a gentle whisper I'm not necessarily talking about always hearing words per se in the ear. It's more like an impression that immediately translates into words. You know, Pastor Rick Warren used to say that uh, when the devil drops an ideal in your mind, that's called a temptation. (laughs) When God drops an ideal in your mind, that's called an inspiration. I'm talking about what God drops in our minds. It's a little gentle whisper. Let me tell you the importance of, of, of learning to hear the gentle whisper of God, even as a high schooler, even as a person in college. You know, my wife graduated from uh, high school at 16 years old in San Francisco. She graduated in May. Her birthday came July 15th. She turned 17. Towards the end of August, she's on a flight, headed to Gramlin. When she was 14 years old, she made a deep commitment to Jesus. And she began to cultivate the ability to hear the gentle whisper. When I was in eighth grade in Cushada, Louisiana, uh, I, too, made a deep commitment to Jesus, turned my life over. And in my own way, began to cultivate the ability to hear God's gentle whisper. My wife is on the plane uh, hit it to Gramlin. She's coming to be a freshman student at Gramlin State University here in Louisiana. And she says, while she's flying on the plane, because she's cultivated the gift of hearing the gentle whisper, she hears God's gentle whisper. You know what it says? The first day you get to Gramlin, you're gonna meet your husband. Sure enough, she got to Gramlin, was sitting in a, in a freshman orientation. I walk into the room, and God locks her in on me, locks her heart in. I see her and wave at her. That's all that takes place. The very next day, she's standing across the street. I'm sitting. My life is literally falling apart. By the way, sometimes God will allow your life to fall apart so he can put it back together the right way. Come on now. Uh, and so my life was falling apart. a relationship was falling apart. I was sitting on what they call the tree of knowledge. And so there I was, total depression. And Rhonda's across the street, and she said she heard the gentle whisper. She says, go across the street and speak to her. Ultimately, that's your husband. She fought with God back and forth, but finally she relented and obeyed. She came across the street and spoke to me. Eleven months later, we were married. <laughs> the picture you see here on the screen. Thirty years later, we go back and we take a picture in front of that tree of knowledge. is now it's kind of a historical icon there on the, on the campus. And 36 years later, we're still kicking it together on Valentine's weekend. You see, it's important as a high schooler and a person in college that you begin to cultivate hearing the voice, that gentle whisper, spinning silent, spending quiet time with God, even now. You know why? Because the decisions that you're making in this very moment, they will impact the rest of your life. All the way from who's going to be your best friend, who you're going to fall in love with, what college you're going to go to, or are you going to go to vocation school, or are you going to get into the military? I mean, all of these different decisions, what's going to be your major? All of these decisions have life implications, and it's good to hear what your parents think. It's awesome to hear what your mentor your teachers thinks, but you really need to learn the voice of God so you can hear the gentle whisper, because it is God who made you. Didn't you hear what I said before? Before you were in your mama's womb, you were in God's will, in his heart. Let him direct you. You got to learn that voice. You got to learn that voice. And so she heard that whisper changed our lives. Let me tell you another, a uh, 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 quick example. That I'm going to give you a first relationship point, a tip that I want to give you here, here on Valentine's weekend. Two years before Rhonda got to campus, I was having a tough time dating, and in this, this, I was in prayer. I said God, Why is this all difficult? Why is nothing working out? And I heard that gentle whisper. And the whisper said, the person that you're looking for, not only is she not on the campus, she's not even in the state. In two years, you'll find her. two years. But for now, focus on what's in front of you. I mean, I looked around at all these beautiful, wonderful women on the campus. I'm a second year student in college. I said, I know that can't be the voice of God. way in the world I'm supposed to be dating. Come on Dallas! Are you kidding? I wish I had listened. Because he was right. Rhonda wasn't even in the state. And I accumulated unnecessary heartbreak and pain that made the first 10 years of our marriage very difficult. And it all could have been avoided if I had just listened See, it's one thing to hear the gentle whisper. It's a whole nother thing to discipline your heart to obey, to do what God says do. Now, let me give you your first. Here's my first Valentine relationship tip. Number one. Here's it. Here it is. Involve God in the dating process. Type that in the chat. Say it out loud with me also. Involve God in the dating process process. Listen, some of you, you get this, right? I mean, isn't it time for you to really start cultivating time so you can hear God's quiet, gentle voice directing you in the dating process, right? I mean, how, how often have you, have, you, have you swiped right and kept coming up with the wrong person? How often have you gotten Googled-eyed and super excited about the profile picture only to discover after hanging out with the person that the profile picture did not communicate the total picture? Come on now. It's time to allow God to be a part of the picking process. And I've heard, I know I can hear some of you saying, well, God might pick someone. I don't want to have to settle. Come on. And by that you mean I don't want someone who's in a wheelchair or I don't want someone who's quote-unquote too large or I don't want someone too short or uh, I don't want someone who's not making the same amount of money that I'm making. You're talking about all those externals. But don't you understand if God picks the person you've not settled, God has picked the person who's going to love you for who you are powerfully. Don't you? Listen, when Rhonda first saw me, she said the first thing she noticed was my scars. But then immediately she pushed past the scars and there was something else that drew her. You see, when God picks the right person, and if you allow Him to cultivate your lens, come on now, you, you'll look past the external. And because genuine beauty comes from within, that's an inside job. But you've got to spend time cultivating, hearing the voice from above, the gentle whisper, and follow God in the dating process. All right, so that's characteristic number one. God's voice comes as a gentle whisper. Characteristic number two is really found here in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. Jesus has come out uh, to be baptized. Here's how I want to talk about baptized. This is the context of the Winter Olympics. I'm sure some of, all, many of us are watching the skating, the skiing, and all the winter sports. Really exciting. In, in a sense, God is coming to be, Jesus is coming to be baptized uh, as, a, as a way of ext- publicly declaring, I'm I'm on my father's team. That's what he's doing. I'm on my father's team. And so he goes through the baptism and, and, and the text says, the text says that coming up out of the water, he he saw. He's talking about what Jesus saw now. We don't know what anybody else, but Jesus saw, he says, the heavens splitting apart. And the Spirit of God, descending upon him, didn't say it was a dove. It said it was like a dove. Uh, 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 a soft, loving presence, empowering him. And then it says that the the voice, the notion here is that Jesus hears the voice. Uh, Most people talk about this as a booming voice, but but I think probably for Jesus, it was a gentle whisper. And And the voice declares this, you are my one dear son. I like the King James, you are my beloved son. Another translation says, you are my dearly loved son. And in you, I take great delight. Another translation says, you bring me great joy. I love that. All right, here's the second characteristic. Unconditional affirmation. You see, Jesus hears this affirmation coming from the father before he does anything. He hasn't even gone into the Aramos, the wilderness, and he hasn't and succeeded after 40 days of being tempted. He hasn't even done that yet. He, he's done no miracles. He hasn't fed anyone. He hasn't taught any lessons. Come on. He, he, he hasn't healed anybody. None of that has been done yet. And here the father says about the son, you bring me great joy. You're the center of my delight. Before he does anything, unconditional, it is, it is, it is, a, it is a God who affirms us apart from our performances. Wow. Wow. And, and the more you spend time with that God, the more that affirmation begins to shape your understanding of who you are in the world and who God calls you to be. My goodness. All right. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you the story. There's a woman by the name of Vanessa Russell. And uh, she currently is the CEO of Love Never Fails, which is an incredible organization that is doing amazing work helping to rescue people out of sex trafficking here in the Bay Area. And she tells her story. She says, listen, she was always a great student in school, made straight A's. But in reflection, she made straight A's in an effort to earn the right to be loved. She later says that when she, uh, went, to, when she went to school, went to college, all the same thing. And then she joined the Cisco team company. Zoomed up, first highest ranking African American in the executive branch of the Cisco. When in reflection, she says, she finally said she was really doing that to continue to earn the right to be loved. This affirmation that people would throw upon her for, for being so successful, it translated to her being loved. And if she would stop climbing, she'd stop being loved. And she told the story, even, she, even the work she did in the church, this ministry, this option over here, this all of this notion she said she was trying to earn the right to be loved. The affirmation that people threw upon her uh, translated as love. And here's the fear. That if I don't do that. If, if I don't make straight A's. Or if I don't uh, uh, perform well in the job. I won't be loved. I won't be loved. That, that the love. Ultimately she translated it to God. That the love of God is contingent upon what I do. She says she didn't understand. How Unconditional affirming God's love was until she had her own baby. And she says she's, she was there watching her baby in her hands. He was probably six, six weeks old. He hadn't grown up. He hadn't made any A's. He hadn't become an exact in anything. He's just a baby. He's going to smile. He's going to Google. He's going he's to cry. And he's going to poop. She's got to change his diaper, and that's going to be the cycle. And she says she's watching the baby before he becomes anybody. And she says to him, I love you so much I could die." And she says, in that moment, she got it that that's how God saw her, his child, that before she accomplished anything, had nothing to do with her performance. You know, he was delighted that she made A's. He was blessing her to excel. He wanted her to be her best. But, 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 But when he saw her, apart from anything she's done, he declared what he declared about his son, you bring me great joy. And somebody's listening to me, you should run to the silent, quiet place to be with a God who is anxious to tell you, you are the center of my delight, and you bring me great joy. Go hear it. Go allow God to affirm you with his unconditional love. Wow. My goodness. Let me give you a relationship point here. Uh, Valentine's Day, tip two. Here it is. Seek your affirmation first from God. Whew. Let me say it a different way. Seek your primary application, uh, 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 affirmation first from God. You see, here's, what, here's, here's the point I want to make. When other people affirm you for the grades you make, for the accomplishments you do in corporate life or for how wonderful you're doing in church, enjoy that. Appreciate that. Thank God for that. Come on, do it. And then do what Bishop Green taught me years ago. He said he would take all that and he'd lift it back up and, 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 and share it with God. All right? But don't run for it. Don't chase them for it because the moment you're chasing somebody in your house or chasing somebody in your job to get their affirmation, they're exercising power over your life. That's too much power to give a person. Come on now, chase God for the affirmation and enjoy it when it comes from somebody else. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Spend time in the silence. Places with in the quiet place, hearing the, the gentle voice from above, and let God affirm you. I, I, I love Zephaniah. Come on now, 317, one of my favorite verses. Uh, here's what he declares to the people of God he says, Listen, for the Lord your God will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Watch this, he will rejoice over you with a joy with joyful songs. And what he is saying, come on now, is that God says, Come into his presence. And, and 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 he says he's gonna sing over you. He's so excited about you that he's gonna sing songs of joy and songs of delight over you. I know, come on now, your life is not perfect. I know, come on now, that there's sin in your life like it is in all of ours. I know that you've messed up from time to time and you're afraid to go into the presence of God but I just want to tell you, come on now, come on, come on, that, that your, your sins is nothing more than poop in a diaper and God knows how to handle poop in a diaper. That's what his grace and his forgiveness is for. Let him, come on now, clean you up and sing the light over your life. Spend time with him. He won't... To be with the one who brings him great joy. That's you. Wow. That's you. Hmm. Let me say one more thing. You can say this with me. Unconditional affirmation. Let me say one more thing about this unconditional affirmation. God's pouring unconditional. That's what he wants to do poor unconditional affirmation in your life and his it into your life is one of the things that distinguishes what I call self-help from divine empowerment now I don't want to speak negative about self-help it's a billion dollar industry people have been helped by self-help books but I just want to point out there's a difference between self-help and divine empowerment you see let me approach it this way Here's what part of what I want you to get. When you spend time with God, he's going to always be telling you. And he's going to use scripture. That's why it's important for you to memorize, internalize scripture. He, if God rarely tells you what you, what, what you can't do, what you're not equipped to do, uh, who you can't be. God... Unconditional affirmation is always calling you into the next season. He's always calling you up higher. But 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 he tells you who you can be and what you can do. Watch this. The difference between self-help and and divine empowerment through him. You see, self-help says. Come on, I can. Divine empowerment says I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See the difference? Self-help says, "Come on now, uh, uh, I'm a winner. I, I'm, I can win." Divine empowerment says, "You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you." See that through Christ. Come on now. Self-help says, "Come on now, I'm strong. I I, I can I can I can I I can survive it. I'm strong." Divine empowerment says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on. Divine empowerment says uh, in your weaknesses, God declares, my strength will be made known to those around you. You see the difference? Now, self-help is all right, but the problem is when you run out of self. Then you out, come on now. But, but, but divine empowerment says when you run out of self, come on now. That's the beginning of God's power and what he can do through your life. And that is the God that says when you spend time with me, I will, I will shower you with the affirmation of who I see you as in me you know scripture talks about that when we're in relationship with Jesus we are covered by the righteousness of Christ we are hid in him yeah. you want divine empowerment not just self help flows out of it flows out of affirmation that God gives you you know one of my favorite texts is when i think about the old testament this point is reaffirmed a thousand times. If you were a priest, or if you were a king, or if you were a prophet, you had to be anointed. And it was a way that God was declaring don't you go depending on yourself. Don't go depending on your gifts. Don't go depending on your brain power. Come on now. What I've called you to do, you cannot do it unless I empower you. Come on now. That's why I like Zechariah 4, another one of my favorite verses. God used the prophet to tell the people this verse. He says, listen, it's not by my meaning. It's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power. He says, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord almighty. I love that. Lord almighty. Come on, spend time with God, he says. L- uh, lean into the gentle whisper. Allow his power not to flood your life like a rainstorm. That's not how it happens. It more or less happens, come on, like, like the dew appears on the grass. Come on now. Uh, slowly and steadily uh, uh, in the morning, it shows up without any rain, it, but, but it, it materializes slowly. That, that's the accumulation of spending time with the father and he'll de- he's declaring to you through his mighty spirit by his spirit come on he'll give you the power to turn c's and the a's in the class he'll give you the power to transform how you relate to your significant other how you talk to them he'll give you the power come on to rise out of the ashes of failure and to achieve the improbable and the impossible by his spirit he says to dream fresh dreams, to launch new new corporate ventures by his spirit. But it begins with spending regular time with him. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what the text says? That when Jesus finished his 40 days in the wilderness in the Aramos, right, that quiet place where he was being affirmed and also being challenged by the enemy, when he comes out of it, the text says... Here's how he returns to Galilee. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. See, his, I love this and his ministry exploded through the power he's modeling for us now y'all come on now and reports about him quickly spread throughout the region and then his first assignment y'all was to show up in the synagogue and he, he, he it was time to read he went and asked for the book and he opened it to Isaiah and he said listen I'm on my father's team that's what he says come on now and I've been empowered by my father's spirit I'm full of his spirit and, 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 and the the power that he has filled me with is not just for me to sit on the pew. It's not just for me to sit in the bleachers. It's not just for me to sit uh, 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 on the bench and watch the starters play. Oh no, he's called me into the game. Come on y'all. And I'm called to serve and let me tell you, he's anointed me to serve in some ways. Let me tell you how he's anointed me. He's anointed me to serve, uh, number one, by bringing good news to the poor. He has sent me to do to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and to declare that it is the year of God's favor. I'm called to serve. I'm off the pew, y'all, he says. I'm ready to serve. Here's what's fascinating. And you know, I tell you that if you spend time in the presence of God, he'll fill you up with his spirit. And he will empower you by the Spirit. But you remember, Scripture says that God is love. So the Spirit he fills you up with, come on now, is a love. You know, if you've been around for a few months, you know that that's a god love That's a serving love. It, It compels you to serve, to join God's serving team in your house, in the church, in the world, wherever you are. God wants to fill you up to serve. He says, join the team. You know, uh, let me give you your last little relationship tip. And I'm really talking to men, but this applies to everybody. If you're married, when you wake up in the morning, do this. If you've got a significant other or a close best friend, whatever the case, you can send them a text in the morning and you can do this on a daily basis. The first thing you do, when you get up in the morning. Say, I love you. Put words to it. And then immediately follow it up with this question. How might I serve you today? I'm a husband, so I'm just really leaning. I want to especially lean into the men here, all right? Uh, But this is for everybody. And and, and if you're married, here's what your wife is going to say, probably. I'm glad you asked. I got 10 things I want you to do. (laughs) here they are right here come on down. and I want you to come back and say baby I love you and i and, am and, and tell you what give me the first one or two I'm going to pick one or two things that I know I can do today and then I'll keep coming back at it each day because every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to say I'm going to love you I say I love you how can I serve you today, children young people wouldn't it be one of I challenge you do the same thing get up every morning before you leave for school say I love you and ask mama ask daddy ask the parent, how can I serve you today how can I serve you? And if you make this a part of your discipline, come on now. This, 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 this. You're talking about pouring affirmation into the lives of others. If kids, if you can do that, You'll be able to do that in, when you fall in love, and you'll be able to do that with your best friend, and you'll be able to discern through that is this person that you're dating is she or he worthy to fall in love with, ought you to be falling in love? Because if you don't see that replicated in them, that's the wrong person. Wow, that's the wrong person. You know, Dr. King said everybody can be great because everybody can be served. God's calling you to be great. Everybody can serve. God's calling you. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. God's calling you to serve. If you're sitting on the bridge, you're not serving. You're just watching us on Sundays. God said, get up. I'm calling you into service. Jesus said, son of man did not come to be served, but to, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the point, guys. Jesus' team, if you're a faithful member of his team, it's a serving team. And he wants you to spend time with him so he can fill you up. So you can serve in your home, your church, or community of faith in the world. And it's your time. You know, here's a picture of Troy Ogan. He lives in Mountain View, and for the longest before the pandemic, he had wanted to serve in the church, but his job schedule was too complicated. He couldn't do it. When the pandemic hit, he discovered he could join our Facebook chat team and engage and welcome and care for people as they were watching the worship gathering online here's what he says as he serves online from mountain view he says listen uh he has discovered the joy is not just in serving the people but it's in who he's serving with he says they pray for one another they support one another he says it's like another family he invites you to join jesus serving team Uh, here's a lady by the name of uh well we call her cookie she lives in Portland, Oregon. She's a part of our online prayer team. See, you get the point. If you're watching anywhere in the world, in the country, you can join Jesus' servant team right here at NBC, wherever you are. And she's on the prayer team. She prays for people who message us with prayer requests. Tons of them come through. She says she spends time praying in the quiet place about who she might encounter before she gets into the message issue. And then when she gets there and starts praying with people, she experiences the power of God's Spirit ministering through her to others. Yeah. I, I, in a moment, I'm going to come back. If you're in the local campuses, the pastors there will come back, and they're going to give you an opportunity if you just happen to be sitting in the bleachers or sitting on the bench to join the team. But first, let me give you a homework. Uh, again, every day this week, I'm going to encourage you to take 15 minutes of quiet time, reading the Gospel of Mark, how much you can read in that time. And take some notes around this question. What does Jesus teach me about serving others as I read? We'll see you next week. I don't want to end this day without giving you an invitation to join Jesus' team. So, scan the QR code, if you would, right here on the screen. Go to Next Steps with Jesus, and your first decision that I want to encourage you to make right now is to be a Jesus follower. And all you have to do is simply check, I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to do it today. That's your confession of faith that says, you know what? I want Jesus to be Lord and Redeemer of all my tomorrows and my destiny. And I want to be a part of his team, pouring his love into a broken world. Go ahead and make that decision right now, today. Also, I want to give you a chance to be a part of a physical concrete team right here at NBCC. If you're watching from across the world or across the country, uh, and you're not officially a member of NBCC, but you regularly watch us from week to week, two or three times a month, then you're a part of our community. And I want you to know that you can be a part of one of Jesus serving team right here online, just like Troy and cookie, uh, who I talked about earlier, wherever you live in the world. So, uh, first, uh, Here's our response to the message that I'm going to ask you to affirm. Simply this, read it with me. I will make a fresh commitment to serve others at home and church and in the world. Go ahead and make that affirmation now, wherever you are, confirm that. And then as it relates to NBC, a Jesus following team right here at NBC, there's a list right here. Take a look at some of the examples. If you're in the local area, you can connect with us at our physical campuses and be a part of teams like First Impression or our worship arts team or our tech team, a life group, we've got a team for you. We have a way for you to serve. Get off the ble—get out of the bleachers, get off of the bench, let's serve with Jesus. And then if you're online, say, hey, I want to be a part, but I live in some other part of the world, you can be a part of what Jesus is doing right here at NBCC. Here's a list of teams that you can engage with online. Again, just like Troy, and cookie, as I talked about a few moments ago, ranging from chat team that engages people who are watching online our worship gatherings all the way. You see that list: writing team, analytics, et cetera, et cetera. Now you don't have to know what all those teams are. Just under the section that says "Please contact me," uh, you've got three options there. And one of those options, the third option, is "I want to serve." Check that option. Guess what? We're going to reach out to you, and we'll help. Find the right place for you to start serving on a Jesus team right here at NBCC. All right. Cool. Take a picture of the reflection question. Is serving others easy or difficult for me and why?